Welcome to Adjusting to Six Figures. Two best friends that turn their lives around. Professionally and personally. So if you're looking to change, we tell it like it is with no bullshit. Shut up with the excuses and make something of your life. Let's do this. This is Adjusting to Six Figures. And here are your hosts, Jeremy Reddick and Chris Stanley. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Adjusting to Six Figures podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Reddick, riding solo today. And today I've got a really special guest. We've got the possibly one of the most known, I feel like, one of the most known names in the restoration biz. I mean, when I think of restoration, I you know I think of one name, and that's Andy McCabe. Andy, <laughs> how, how are you doing today, man? <laughs> so good, my dog. Hanging in, man. <laughs> Hanging in. Yeah, man. And uh, of course, guys, this uh, episode, as with all the other episodes, brought to you by adjusteruniversity.com. Head on over to adjuster-university.com. Whether you are an independent insurance adjuster, an insurance adjuster of any sort, or you're thinking about getting into it, just head on over to adjuster-university.com. Check out what we've got. Use coupon code 6FIGS. That's the number six and FIGS with a Z. And get 25% off any course. Andy, have not had a conversation with you in the long... How long has it been since we've seen each other? Well, when was Hurricane Harvey? Hurricane Harvey had to have been 2017. Yeah. yeah. There you go. We broke bread at some dive bar down by the hotel. and We uh, did. Yeah. Man, that was a long time ago. And then we both went our separate ways and sort of... I must have put... 2,000 miles on my rental car in that storm and didn't leave Houston. I mean, right. How long were you down there? What, what, first of all, what were you doing down there? I know you've got a bunch of different hats that you wear. Were you doing work in restoration in Houston? One of my previous employers, there's a, there's a long list of probably about 144 different people I've worked for. So (laughs) I was working for, um, a restoration company. They just got bought. ATI just got bought, didn't they? Um, I think a VC venture capital firm. Anyway, Did they? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they had um, one of their biggest clients, one of the biggest property owners across the country, had a ton of apartments that needed moisture maps. So we were there for a month, just knocking mm-hmm. on doors, doing moisture maps. Okay. Crazy. What What is a moisture map? I've heard that term a, a bunch, but I've never really, I don't really know. What does well, that it's, mean? It's just a, it's a snapshot of the structure. What's wet, what's not. Okay. And that's it. And, and it's, it's not complicated. You go through with your FLIR and your protometer and you look for wet spots, you mark it on the, on the diagram and you go and ownership gets a daily, what they, they use it for. Uh, just seeing how bad is the damage, you know, how, you know, out of our portfolio, what took the hit and what's it going to take to repair it? And the first step is what's damaged, what's wet. So that's what it is. It's basic. We're doing that. I've got a couple guys doing that in Houston, right? Or not Houston, um, New Orleans right now. Okay. Um, From the storm. Yeah. And the bigger, it's less of an issue on the residential side because the re- the restoration guys come in and, you know, they gut it and, and go. Uh, but when you get something like a hospital that's active, they don't want to shut down. 
Uh, you have to be a little more finesse about it. So here's the damage. Uh, let's come up with a game plan to address that damage without shutting down the entire emergency room, you know, stuff like that. That's the special part. I was, I was going to say, because I've, I've handled uh, countless claims at this point with restoration companies of all sorts, big, small, uh, you know, and everything in between, but I've never had a inspection get held up because of a, a moisture map. Although I, I say that, and I, I do recall, I think it was a hospital, actually and and it was getting thrown I, I didn't get that involved but so the moisture map is is just like you say it's when you can't just get in and start gutting things out it's when you need to actually coordinate a plan around yep. it okay yeah, we did um in an office building last week that we were our client asked us to come in um so so i on the consulting side not not the estimating side of of what i do um but i've got i've got restoration clients that don't necessarily have the in-house expertise to do what we do. Um, so big storm hits, they hire us. Uh, so they had an apartment or not a part office building. And they said, we need a moisture map before we're going to do anything. Well, we got there and they were ripping and tearing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we did a moisture map, but then they tore out the wet material. So it was, it was a moot point. Right. Uh, so we kind of went through the went through the motions on it, but they some people require it as part of their risk management profile. They have to have the moisture map. It's just they're just checking off a box, right? Whether that information is actually useful or not is is a different story. But hey, yeah, that's, that's you know that, those are decisions made above my head. <laughs> now you you comp, you said that you know your your clients and I've known said this a few times. You have a lot of different hats, and I admire that. That that's one of the biggest things I admire about you because I know that you have you've worked as an independent adjuster, right? I still you do. work. You still do. You work as a public adjuster as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the you have you're the were you are you are you the founder of the Restoration Rebels? That whole the group, yeah. And, and it didn't didn't turn into much more than a Facebook group, but yeah, yeah. okay. So I, was, I was the original perpetrator on that one. <laughs> still going, still going a little bit. Um, we had some drama. I've heard of them so many times, even outside of the Facebook group. It's it's. I, I even met someone one time um, that 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 knew who you were. But so so you have that. But am am I wrong in saying? And because I, I I've built this image about you that, Mm. you know, public adjusters are obviously, you know, you call them advocates for homeowners, but are you also in a way an advocate for restorers as well? Very much so. Very much so. I saw that as, as part of my calling is, is there's so much, you know, look at the entire claims ecosystem and look where the follow the money and none of it is on the restoration side. It's all, it's all carrier side stuff. Uh, so carriers come into these claims, they're hiring, you know, thousand dollar experts and they're bringing a whole bunch of firepower to the table. And then you got a mom and pop, you know, a man in a van with a fan uh, trying to show up and do this work. But he's competing with with, you know, essentially these experts, these Harvard guys, whatever. There's just a complete mismatch. And the homeowners, the business owners are stuck in between. Like I you know, I want, I need my work done. Here's a guy over here that is willing to do this work, but then I got to fight with, you know, this big machine over here to get enough money to get it done. Um, So I saw, 
there's just a big old vacuum. There's no one on this side doing this stuff. Um, like you got the look at the JS helds and the uh, 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 you know name your consultancy on a carrier side. Well, who's on this side? Nobody. It's goosegg. Um, we're trying. We're we're starting fits and starts, um, but there's so much anti. There's just so much misinformation and anti. You know, if you're a PA, you're a dirty dog and you're just there for, for running the claim up. Um, and if you're a restoration guy, you're making millions of dollars and you're greedy. The the moral high ground, uh, I knew it from growing up in restoration. We do have the moral high ground. We we, we serve the right, you know, as it were. Um, but we're, we're just, we're fighting a big machine. So that's where I got into, let, let's get some tools on our side Let's let's try to level the playing field a little bit, um, and yeah, and advocate for folks. It's it, and it's big. It's been good. It's been fulfilling. Do you feel like um, this might be a silly silly statement, but you feel like insurance companies in general are grown a habit of kicking kicking restoration companies around? Well, I yeah, I think that's just it's it's accepted practice at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you are going to go out, you know, even the program guys who are supposed to be supporting right. this whole system, you know, I don't know how much your audience know, understands program versus retail, but, you know, program is your alacrities, your contractor connections. The the contractors on a program, he gets fed all these leads, all these, you know, all, all these jobs to do. As a part of that program, he has to follow all these rules. But, you know, and, and among these rules are doing things for free that somebody like me would charge for. Right. Right. So I'm going into uh, probably Friday or Saturday. I'll be in a very nice part of New Orleans with a huge houses. And we're going to go in, we're going to Matterport scan them. Uh, and we're going to write up the repairs. We're going to write up the mitigation and we're going to write up repairs. We're going to charge where our going, I like, we won't step on the property for less than 1500 bucks. But the program contractor is expected to go do all that work for nothing, for free, for the right of, you know, you get the opportunity to have this job. Well, there's a lot of cost that goes into that if you're doing it right. Um, so, yeah, the program guys especially just get they just get walked on. They get taken advantage of because they're there uh, and they accept it. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's the other one of the things I fight I'm fighting against. You know, I don't want to get too high on my soapbox this early in the podcast, but <laughs> let's get high, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we need to value ourselves, hold ourselves a whole lot. We need to if we don't value ourselves, no one else is going to value us. A hundred percent. And it starts with us just saying, "No, I'm not going to do that for free." Yeah, no, there is value in the service I'm providing. Um. And yeah, I happen to be on your program, but that doesn't make me your slave. That doesn't make me your dog. You can just lead around on a leash, mm-hmm. you know, and feed me one, once in a while. No, I'm, you know, I run a business. I'm a human being. We we support people, but that's what gets lost. We it's it's people and 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 businesses operating in a very non-human environment. You know, big business is just there's no emotion, there's no humanity. It's just numbers. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the classic trade-off, right? It's the trade-off between volume and profitability. You're losing out on profitability 
in exchange for the supposed guarantee of a high volume of work. Yeah. Right. And, and where the math breaks down is you can't lose money on every job and hope to make it up on volume. Right. We have the same uh, on the independence. I know you, you do. I work too. You know, I, I, I've been high on my soapbox too, with the same argument that there's plenty of people who do IA work that will go with a lot of these large companies, the alacrities and, and whatnot, and will take the higher volume of, of work, but that work is low, it's low quality work. You're, you're not respected by the people who you're working with and you're getting paid very, very little. And, you know, one of the big, you know, one of the big arguments that you'll find is that, you know, so many people believe that it's because of those adjusters that are enabling certain insurance carriers to pay less mm. because they're finding that there are people out there that will accept that work. Mm-hmm. And in exchange for it, it's sort of the the go between between actual running your own business and taking on a hundred percent of the risk and just being an employee. You're it's in a way it's kind of like that middle ground where yeah you're running your own business, but just like you said, you're a slave. So it's sort of a pseudo business, I guess. You're not really pseudo business. I like that. <laughs> you're not really progressing. You're not growing. You're not have you don't have enough profitability to grow. Um, but you're paying your mortgage and you're paying your staff and you, you, you know, maybe you got enough to go to Disney at the end of the year. Yeah. You're maintaining, you're, you're maintaining a, a lifestyle, uh, but you're not growing a business. You no. know, there's not enough money on 60% of Alacrity's fee schedule is not enough to reinvest in your business and actually scale. Right. Uh, right. and that's where you know, I'm at, frankly, with my business is. I'm going to have to go find some money, go find somebody that believes in an idea in order to get an infusion to scale this thing because I'm not spitting off enough cash every month to reinvest at the rate that I need to, to scale. You know, right now I've got, I've got me and five ish, five ish folks that work underneath me and it's a great pyramid scheme. You know, I'm, I'm doing the alacrity thing. I'm, you know, I'm charging one rate and I'm paying out this rate and I'm making money on the margin, but I need to take that five and make it 500. And that's right. a real thing. That's a real business. Um, but right now, yeah, it's a, it's a great lifestyle. I'm, I, I was able to buy a really nice bike so I can go ride downhill mountain bikes with my, my boys. Yeah. But I'm not, you know, I'm not buying a, a, a building and moving into it and, and building this, a, a real business. So we're, we're all pretending to be business owners. We're just maintaining our lifestyle. I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten <clears throat> probably 20 text messages from Alacrity in the last two weeks. Yeah. They're desperate for folks. But oh, to your for point, IA work? To yeah. your point, 60% of that fee schedule, I'm not willing to go, but obviously somebody is. Somebody right. is actually going for that 60%. And no, you know, we will pay you 60% of your fee schedule. And you've got to be on, here on Saturday. Not, we'll give you, we'll give you $1,500 to deploy. And be here on Saturday. No, you show up on Saturday and we may or may not give you some claims at 60% of our fee schedule. It's, it's, it's like we don't have respect for ourselves anymore. Right. And I'll, I'll tickle your PA bone right here. When you <laughs> think about it, what type of adjust, and, and I have a lot of new adjusters that listen to this podcast and 
you know, and I don't want this to sound like disrespect or anything like that, but when you're alacrity, okay, let's say uh, USAA, I'm going to use USAA as an example because USAA is infamous for low paying. They just recently changed the amount that they'll pay to their IA staff for obvious reasons, but um, infamous for low paying, for being a low paying insurance carrier. When you're looking for, when you need immediate staff and you are going to pay, and, and, and Alacrity is huge with USAA, and they send the, and of course USA has nothing to do with the 60%, that's just an Alacrity thing, but when you're sending out a mass text message saying you will pay 60%, which if if you're listening and you don't understand what the 60% is, it's 60% of the fee, which is standard. That is the, you might as well, that's not even copy. That That's not even a, a, a way to sell somebody. 60%. That's the, that's the av that, that that's is where you is. start. Yeah. <laughs> if you get less, if you're offered less than 60%, they're spitting in your face. So in in this point, they're just giving you the bare minimum to leave your house. It's not okay. even yeah. It's not even additional. Hey, we right. really need people. Here's a here's a couple more points. No. Yeah, it's just don't even put the sixty percent in because maybe you might think that it's more and then it's more appealing. But 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 yeah. So sixty percent and you got to be there by Saturday. You think about it like this. You know, use USA for as an example. Okay. And you have veterans, you know, people that defended our country. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what type of adjuster would sign on to a last minute deployment for an insurance carrier that pays significantly less than average at a percentage that is, I would, I'd average at best mm -hmm. the, the base what type of adjuster would that be? That's going to be the ones that don't that that are just starting out that don't, they don't know that, better. They it's going to be the ones that don't have better options. Mm -hmm. If they have better options, they want to go, and that is a very very low option. And again, no disrespect to anybody that's out there, but that's what you're going to get. Now, then you're going to have somebody, sergeant, whoever, that has an insurance claim, and they're forced to deal with that person. Mm. You know, so it's you know to circle back, it's it's to your point, it's you know. It, it, there are people out there that are trading v profitability for volume and they think that that's a good start and it might be a good start. And, and maybe you can comment on this. Maybe it is a good start. If you're a new newly starting restoration company, I mean, w w are there scenarios where you would recommend getting on to one of these program, you know, becoming a program vendor and, and doing all that? Or are you there strictly? Is. Yeah. There is uh, there's a time and a place. And if you can't get work any other way, well, you got to get work. You got to get fed. Right. Um, so, yeah, program might be a viable option. Uh, I've got a client that next year he's going to turn off, turn off, turn down $4.5 million of revenue. Why would he do that? Because it's program work. And it's not profitable. He's right. spending more admin time and, and, and hassle and running around. He's spending more money to do four and a half million dollars than, than just cutting that off and concentrating on a different segment of his business. So if you're new, you're starting out, IA or restoration contractor, yeah, take the, take the work where you can get it. Because 
more than the money, you need the experience. Right. You need to get out in the field. You need to see some claims to really understand this crazy world you're about to step into. None of us knew, right? You yeah. didn't know. I certainly didn't know what the hell was going on when I got into this. I was just a stupid marketing guy. I had a marketing degree out of college and they were hiring a marketing guy. You know, what's that mean? I was a donut dropper. I was seeing agents. <laughs> you know, I was seeing every agent in the Portland metro area every three months dropping donuts or Chotskis and whatever else. But I had no idea there's $300 billion industry of, of folks that all they do is insurance repairs. That's crazy. Yeah. But there is. Uh, but you don't know. Early on, I mean, you, you're drinking from a fire hose. Take the experience. Uh, but, but be honest with yourself what that is. You're not getting paid well. So what are you getting paid in? You're getting paid in experience and knowledge um, and, and build as soon as you possibly can. Build your own marketing machine. Build your own referral system and get off the dole. Get off. You know, I, I'm searching for, for PG words in my mouth. Here. I'll drop it, man. <laughs> <laughs> we can say whatever we want on here. Get, you know? get off the tit. <laughs> is what I yeah. usually say. And uh, because they will bury you, you know, if, if you're an IA or, or rest, new restoration contractor on, you know, it, it's amazing how many similarities there are between those two, two groups of folks. Uh, neither one really understands the industry of what they're getting into, but get off, get off those doles as soon as you can, because it's a crutch and you will design your business systems to the lowest common denominator, and that's not designed to grow. You're not you're not thinking about your end game. You're not thinking about retirement at that point. You're thinking about keeping keeping the lights on, um, and you can only operate in that that really scarcity. You know this this is it's a tough time starting out. Uh, I I had a really hard time starting out. That's why I started claims delegates in 2012. I hung it up, hung it up in 2014. Restarted it in 2015, hung it up again when I went to work for for ATI, uh, and then restarted it after I got fired. So <laughs> it's not easy. It's it's yeah. not an easy gig. But now it's 2012, so eight nine years of this right pumping out content. Um, I've got 300 videos on YouTube. Um, I've got. You know, one one call a week or, or two emails a week. Someone says, "Hey, I just watched all your videos and blah blah blah." Let's do that. Yeah, you know, you've got to build your own lead system. And for for IAs, where do you IAs get? Yeah, you know, well, let's. Where do IAs get work if they're not working for Alacrity? Where do they get work? I mean, th that's a. Uh... You know, that, that's my, uh, that's my wheelhouse. I mean, you have to, mar you have to turn into a marketing machine. That's it. But who do you market to? That's always been my question. I, I didn't, it's, I never really wanted the work. You know, I yeah. got my license cause I was forced to the, the state. Did I tell you that story? Did no. I how does that please oh elaborate? Well, I'll jump God. back to my thing, but at, what do you mean you were forced? Why? Because they, you, was it tied into restoration because you were going out and they wanted so, you to 2012. I decided I'm I'm sick of, you know, I didn't want to work for anybody else. Frankly, I'm a terrible employee. 
That's why I have to run <laughs> Hey, I am it. too, man. I'm the worst. <laughs> I am the worst. <laughs> uh, so I went out. I, I got good at this thing called Xactimate. And <clears throat> I had a little bit of a light bulb moment interacting with a public adjuster on a claim where I was a consultant for the first time ever. You know, I was working for a restoration contractor. They had a consulting department, which meant they were just uh, a paid IA service for, for certain adjusters, large loss adjusters that would go estimate large losses on the opposite side of public adjusters and, and things like that. So I'm at this huge house. Actually, it wasn't a huge house anymore. It was burned to the ground. So I'm looking at this big foundation with a big pile of rubble on it. Mm-hmm. And I work up a shit $425,000 uh, estimate. And the PA hits me with a $650,000 estimate. And then we, then we start, you know, we start doing the do we, we, we right. hash it out. But at the end of the day, I didn't have to produce that work. Right. And, and I said, I already said, I'm a bad employee. I'm a terrible project manager. I don't <laughs> like building stuff. Yeah. I like the technical side of it. I like sales, but building a house and, and dealing with the homeowner or business owner and, right, and right. all the emotions to get that house built. Oh, it was a bane in my existence. So right. here's an opportunity for me. Okay. I can use my skill set. I can, I can get really good to exactimate and do this thing and, and the technical stuff, but I don't have to produce the work. Sign me up. Right. right. I want it. So same, same here. So I have a similar story for me. Yeah. That's what I started doing. So I was writing estimates, Xactimate only for contractors or homeowners. Somebody turned me into the state of Oregon. I got a phone call from the state of Oregon and nice lady on the phone. Hey, um, we, we want you to come down to Salem and, and have a conversation. And at the time I'm green, I'm anxious. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'll come down to Salem. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> I had no clue. No yeah. clue. So I go down there. Salem is the state capital of Oregon. Go into this nondescript building at the state capital. Go into the office. Hey, I'm so and so. Okay, come in here. They lead me into a um, lead me into an office with no windows. Okay, it's like an interrogation room. Two ladies, exactly. Two ladies come in behind me. Yeah, please have a seat, Mister McCabe, and and they close the door. My enthusiasm would be gone at this point. (laughs) So as I sit down, one of them pushes a tape recorder across the table. The other one pushes a badge. Oh, no. Yeah. My dick would have just jumped in my body at that point. Oh, shit. (laughs) What? Why did I come down here? But at the end of the day, they wanted to know what I was doing. Right. Someone said I was being a public, you know, doing UPA, the unlicensed practice of public adjusting. Right, right. And it can be a serious thing. And I laid it out there. Hey, this is what I do. All I do is write estimates, blah, 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 blah. I described the the claims ecosystem on a small level. And I said, here's the, here's the homeowner. Here's the insurance company or adjuster. And here's the contractor. And I described the point in the claim where the contractor and the insurance company start doing this negotiating. You know, these are... These are high grade cabinets. No, these are average grade cabinets. You know, this is regular vinyl. No, this is super duper whatever. Right. And the lady said, stop right there. When these two people are talking, where's this person? The insured. I said, well, they're gone. They're, right. The insured just checks out. The, they file a claim. 
They hire a contractor. The contractor comes in and handles the claim for them. And most of them would just want to check out. And she said, well, right there, that's where you're breaking the law. Really? I said, what, what do you mean? You are having a negotiation, direct negotiation with the insurance carrier in the absence of the insured. That is a licensed function and that's breaking the law. And I said, wait a minute, if I'm breaking the law, this law is being broken a thousand times a day across the country. For every contractor, right? By every single contractor. Yeah. Every single contractor. So I'll never forget what she said. She said, Mr. McCabe, we're not here to talk about every contractor. We're here to talk about you. <laughs> Wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why you, though? That I mean, Because it's an anonymous tip system. Some, some jerk-off didn't like me, didn't like what I was doing, and turned me into the state for un unlicensed practice of public adjusting. So she said, Mr. McCabe, I'll give you a choice. You can keep doing what you're doing, and we'll fully investigate you. Uh, yeah. You can stop what you're doing. In my mind, why the fuck would I do right. that? Right, can't do that. I yeah. can't do that. That's my business, my livelihood. Or I'll give you 90 days to go get your license. Option C, done. Yeah. Was that licensed as an independent or as a public public adjuster at that point? Uh, right. Oregon, the general adjuster's license is not delineated between PA and IA. Oh, it's so, just the same. Okay. So that's how I became an IA at the same time. So my license number goes out there and I start getting these calls. Hey, wow. I see you're licensed in, in Portland. Do you want to handle some claims? I'm like, fine, whatever. If they had <laughs> any idea, if they had yeah. any idea, seriously, CSAA, hello, if you're watching this, you really going to send me another claim in Bend, Oregon? Because <laughs> you know it's going to be written really well. Yeah. So, okay, I'll send another story down along that line because – I'm a restoration guy. I come at it from, you know, and no offense to any IA, especially you, Jeremy, but you don't write a sheet so it can be built. You write a sheet to set reserves, right? You write a sheet to get the claim going and down the road. It doesn't matter how much money is in that to actually do the work. For to you. Extent. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, you're not there when the supplement gets filed, right? You're not there when, Permits get pulled and material gets ordered, right? You are gone. You are way depending. gone. Yeah, de depending on who you're working with. Sometimes sure, it's sure, nice sure. when I'm not, but yeah. Yeah, and you might have some claims that you handle soup to nuts, you know, cradle grave, and that's a different story. But when I write a sheet, it's it's a moneymaker. You know, that contractor is going to take that take that that estimate and actually be able to produce it and make some money at the end of the day. Right. Had a nationwide claim here. A few years ago, we had a huge snowstorm. We're talking six and seven feet of snow and ice on people's roofs. So there's a lot of damage. Uh, this guy had a really nice house, really big house, clay tile roof, and a huge garage in the middle. The ridge of his garage was doing one of these. So he, he broke. I mean, there was some busted stuff. Uh, no good way to um, tactfully take a clay tile roof apart nicely set it on the lawn or whatever right, and put it back right. on. No, it's, you replace it. Good luck. Yeah. And, and yeah, if you, you were, you want to patch this in, it's going to look like sin. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I'm going to use that patch it in. It looks like sin. Oh, that's <laughs> right there. Uh, so I, I wrote to replace the whole thing. 
I'm, it's a nationwide claim. I'm the IA. Hey. So four months later, I get a call from the insurer, the homeowner, because I gave him my card. I, I told him I was local. They said, what the F are you doing? I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up. What's going on? I wrote a $60,000 repair estimate. They got paid out 15. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, okay, I was the IA. I had nothing to do with this claim after I left my desk. Well, they were looking at a $15,000 estimate with my name on it. Right. Because Nationwide had taken that sheet and just butchered it. And they got an engineer out there to say, oh, this is old damage, blah, 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 blah. It's horseshit, but yeah, unfortunately, that's a huge thing that 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 happens. It's a problem, and they don't just do it to IAs. They do it to to guys, you know, restoration guys on the program. They will butcher your sheet and leave your name on it. Yeah, I don't think it should be legal. I don't. I mean, is that even legal? It can't be legal. I I feel like it shouldn't be legal. I feel like it shouldn't be. I mean, there's, (laughs) there's probably a loophole somewhere, right? Yeah, but. If you're going to butcher my sheet, take my name off of it. That's right. not my work product anymore. Right. Anyway. It's a, that's a, that's a big issue. And even I still deal with it today. I mean, it, you know, it, it's for IAs when you're writing an estimate for the insurance carrier, it's, it's tough to draw the line between, you know, customer service and be, just being a team player and playing by the rules and then compromising your own integrity. You know, if you write up a, an estimate for one of these, you know, big name carriers that have, you know, a a book of rules this thick and you write up a great estimate and they come back with all their pro with all their rules and they chop it down and you go from say a $50,000 estimate to 38. I mean, but they will still want you to sign your name off. Mm -hmm. And probably when that supplement comes down the line, guess who's going to be handling it? Not the other person you're going to be handling it. (laughs) So, you know, as you're sitting there wondering, well, I would, I, I wouldn't expect this person to, to, to this company to pay to, to only charge $38,000. It should be 50, 45 at best. You know, it's a, and then even it comes down to, you know, I, I just recently had a file where they wanted me to, it, it's small things where they, they, they want, they wanted me to, I, I had a large loss and I, I set the, um, timeline for restoration to be six months, okay. six, you know, six months, one month for a permit, five months for the rebuild. Easy. And they come, you know, yeah, it's just whatever. They come back and they say, no, you need to set this at 12 months. And I said, no, because I don't believe that. That's mm-hmm. cra- It's a, this is not, this is, this isn't a commercial, huge, humongous commercial building. You know, this is a small house, five months to rest. I've been a part of these and it's, and it comes down because it's probably just a person with a cheat sheet that doesn't actually know anything who about. Wanted, who wanted you to increase it to 12 months? What was that? Who wanted you to increase it to 12 months? Oh, it was just a IA firm file okay. reviewer. So, okay. you know, somebody like that. And it's just, but that's a small example of a much larger example of how, you know, these companies, whether it's just the IA firm or the insurance carrier, they expect you to be a team player in a lot of circumstances. And, Put your and alter alter your own opinion to fit their own, mm. but you maintain complete ownership of that opinion still. So if it backfires on you, well, it's what you said, That's you know. Hard. Yeah, good luck at that deposition. You know where no. you explain how. No, I didn't say that. I just wrote my name at the bottom. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite questions I, I've answered on the stand. You know, on the like, raise your right hand on the stand. Yeah. Was, um, Mr. McCabe, 
and we see in your first estimate written on whatever date it was that you've got a full replacement of this roof. But on the four, on your fourth iteration of the same estimate, you've only got a partial replacement on, the, on this roof. Can you explain to us and the jury Oof, why yeah, that is? Sure can. And I said, easy. <laughs> the adjuster told me to. Yeah. The adjuster, you know, I'm, I'm on the restoration side working with an adjuster. The adjuster says, no, you're, I'm not giving you that whole roof. You're going to write it for, a, and I said, fine. Okay. Cause I'm a yeah. team player. Well, right. guess what? That jury awarded that whole goddamn roof. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. It looks terrible. Yeah. It, looks, <laughs> it sounds terrible. Looks terrible. <laughs> you know, it's just bullshit, man. And that's what it comes down to is it, these rules, these this stack of rules that every single carrier has, w- that doesn't exist in the policy. Right. This is all extra policy add-on. Right. You know, none of these things, you know, very few of these things that we do as a, just a matter of course, actually are predicated on policy language. Right. And that's a big part of what I push, you know, even with Xactimate, you're not required to use Xactimate to get your insurance claim settled. Right. It, it helps. It helps get an apples to apples comparison. There's a lot of good reasons why we should use Xactimate, but you don't have to. You can write right. it on a napkin. I mean, you can hear... Here's here's my estimate right there. You yeah, know, it doesn't have to be pretty; it just has to be accurate, and it has to be auditable. So, you know, these things we take for granted, like this is the rule. Well, is it though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it? and that's that's where I'm going with my next iteration of whatever I'm pushing out there. Is is there are some hard and fast rules, but everything else negotiable. Everything else. Let me ask you a question because I've, I've, I've seen you write your opinion on this and I, and I have my own opinion, kind of. Um, yeah, okay. Those audits, when you get audited, all right, you, 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 you've put out an S, you know, you've put out an, you've already rendered service, let's mm. say, and you have that invoice and you submit that invoice. Okay. Are you submitting it? Who are you, who are you submitting that to? Do you work directly? Do you work directly with the homeowner? And you exclude the insurance company, or do you submit to the insurance company, do a direction of payment, and all that, all that sort of stuff? What's the what's the best strategy there? Speaking from like as if I'm a restorer. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. On the mitigation side, emergency services, drying, demolition. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big problem. My my side of the industry is we keep calling it an estimate. Yeah. Right. How is it an estimate when you already did the work? Right. This is, this is do, an invoice. They, yeah, they they re- overuse the word estimate <laughs> and contractor. This too. is <laughs> not a negotiable document, right? right. Mitigation side is an invoice. Now repair side, you know, I put together a nice repair estimate. I don't do the work. That's this. That's a claim settlement tool. That's not an estimate. It's a claim right. settlement tool. But yeah, invoice. Um, I advocate bill your client. Because how can you in how can you invoice how can you collect from your client if you don't bill your client, right? And thousands of times a day, contractors think they're doing the right thing by excluding the insured from the billing process and submitting their invoice slash estimate for services rendered to the carrier and saying, "Well, here it is, you know, pay it," and they wonder why they get beat up on it, right? Because we're giving them the opportunity to beat us up on it. Mm -hmm. There's no, in my mind, you did a, you, 
you know, and that's where another th- we fall down on our side. We don't dot all the I's and cross all the T's. We do work without contracts. I don't advocate it, but that's what happens. And, you know, there's a ton of folks that went into New Orleans last couple of weeks and they're ripping and tearing. They don't have a contract in place with a homeowner. They're just relying on the goodwill of an adjuster somewhere back at a desk to pay their bill at the end of the day. They got no contractual backup to anything. So treat, you know, I'm a big advocate of treat the claim as if the insurance company doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Put together a work authorization, put together a schedule of fees, negotiate and contract with your client, do the work and bill your client. Easy right. peasy. And then if your client wants to turn that invoice into their insurance company and collect it, they should. But it has nothing to do with the work you did. It has nothing to do with you. And you have, you're under no obligation to further negotiate the work that you already did right. with somebody who wasn't there. When In what case? Done. Yeah. And in what cases would you do that normally? You know, if you're just a homeowner and you received a bill for from the plumber that came out, you know, and your water heater busted or, you know, you had some work done and the, the plumber gives you the bill and then you give the bill back to the plumber and you say, well, and then you negotiate at that point. Yeah, it's like going that, to a nice dinner, eating the dinner and then going back to the chefs. Yeah, you know, it was it was a good steak, but it wasn't a great it wasn't a $60 steak. Right. How about right. 30? Right. My joint, my, my butter, my compound butter was a little bit light. I believe that should factor in at least $2.80 off of the, yeah. yeah. And according to, according to my industry standards, the butter should have <laughs> yes. had a different consistency. If you don't agree, we can bring in an expert. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll pay this bill at some time in the next six months. <laughs> six months, if you're you know, lucky. If you're lucky, yeah. So- so let me ask you, when you do that, what's your history with these companies? Like, uh, you know, what do we have? I, I think Alacrity does it, Wardlaw, these auditing company, these peer review companies, they come in. So if the, the homeowner submits that bill, right, to insurance, hoping to collect the money, and then they assign, and then insurance says, well, this is over our $2,500 threshold or whatever. We're going to give it to some 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 person who may or may not be qualified to do this and negotiate We're kick and it up see, the line. Yep. Right. And see mm-hmm. what we can get. You know, I know like ward law, those people get like a hundred bucks. You know, I thought of it from a from a insurance standpoint. I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't they for a hundred dollars they could send send a send a ten thousand dollar mitigation invoice. They could send it to ward law for a hundred bucks. Ward law will just try to do something. And yep. if they save a hundred, odds are they're going to save a hundred bucks. And I've seen a lot of these things. I, I used I used to work for an insurance carrier, and I've seen a lot of these things come through. And they negotiate; they go down, mm-hmm. you know. And they make their, you know, the the insurance company recovers that hundred dollars several times over. Easy, easy, right, right. But what was funny, and I won't drop the name of the insurance company uh, here. What what was interesting was I was already told that if they come back, if Wardlaw comes back and they say, "Hey, these these guys stuck," you know, they 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 stuck their heels in the ground, they didn't move. We just pay the fucking claim. So it's like I'm I'm thinking like so we're gonna pay like pay the claim, pay mitigation no matter what. But if it's over, I think it was like twenty five hundred bucks. Send it to them and just see what happens. And these mitigation companies, they don't even know. That they're just throwing profit out the window. It's a roll of the dice. 
They're yeah. they're going back. There's rolling the dice. Let's let's throw some at the wall. See what sticks. And these guys, they don't understand that they don't have to negotiate these things. And let's be real, a lot of these guys need the money. They need they need seventy five percent of that money today more than they need 100% of that money in two months because they're not going to be here in two months if they don't get the money. And that's the dirty side. Right. That's the dirty pool side of I'm going to squeeze you because I know you need the money more than I do. Right. That's right. the dirty side. But yeah, I don't, you know, I tell, I tell folks in Restoration Rebels, we haven't brought it up yet, but I mean, that's the thing. I t- we don't negotiate with terrorists. Your bill is your bill. You don't, you, you got no obligation. Well, the adjuster keeps calling me, keep hanging up because the adjuster doesn't work for you. You don't work for them. You have a client. You did, you serviced your client, bill your client. And you know, people don't like to hear it, but bill the client, file the lien. Because guess what? That claim that has a lien on it is going to get paid before that claim without a lien on it. And that's just a way, that's just fact. That's just real. And, and yeah, you might have to perfect that lien. Perfect that lien means you actually file to foreclose on that property, but it never gets done. It always gets paid. And it's a game of chicken. You know, you're staring this and it's a huge game of chicken. And it, it, it sucks that it has to be like that. But, you know, if we're, we're talking real money, you know, you know, twenty five thousand dollar mitt is a big mitt. That's a lot of money to a guy. That's a lot of money to me. Why would I take fifteen? I don't. I don't have to. The reality is, there's a lot of. It's not unheard of, especially in the restoration rebel community, to have three, four hundred thousand dollars in accounts receivable. Sixty, ninety, one hundred and twenty days out. That's a very real thing. And that's where my client that's turning down is turning off four and a half million dollars worth of revenue next year. He made that decision. That four and a half million dollars, that's 120 plus days old, is not worth as much. And that uh, the two other admin I had to hire to handle this program work because it's just button pushing at a certain point. I can lower my overhead, increase my profit margins. And do less work. So I can do less work and bring more home. No brainer. Turning off right. four and a half million dollars gone. Right. And what's going to happen little... to that volume is the next lowest common denominator contractor is going to come in and, and pick up that slack. Same thing. Yep. Um, yep. Just like the IA side, there's always going to be someone to take that lower fee schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, they may or may not be here in five years, but that's not that's not anyone's concern apparently. We don't right. want to train anyone. We don't want to invest in anyone. We just want to find someone to do it cheaper. And then when they're gone, we're going to find somebody else. Right. Worst case scenario, we are underpaying claims. Mm-hmm. Or best case scenario, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's dirty, I think you, dirty man. Yeah. You, I, think you, I think I caught you saying earlier that you grew up doing restoration. Is that... Are, are you the first and only person in your family to do this? Or did you have, you know, somebody else that was already involved? Yeah. Growing up is, is yeah, not probably not the best way to put it right out of college. Right, right out of college. Okay. 
Uh, and so starting, starting on the marketing side, you know, very much the clean side of restoration. I didn't get dirty right. at all. And then as soon as uh, the company I was working for realized that I had some inherent skill set, I was good with computers and blah, 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 blah. They said, okay, we're going to put you on a project management track. Uh, but before you do that, you've got to do all this other stuff. So I was, I went from marketing guy to water damage technician. I was, <laughs> I was stuck in poo and insulation out of crawl spaces and, yeah. and, and doing the do, understanding this business at a very, <clears throat> excuse me, visceral level. Um, when you come in, we had so many ice storms in Portland during my time there. You, you, you're working all day because every cooling tower in every mall busted and you're coming out, you're sucking water all night in the Macy's and yeah. you come in, come back to the office and you're chipping ice off the sidewalk at two 30 in the morning. So the crew, when they come in at six, doesn't slip and fall and break their, right. break right. their face. You, the chip ice. you go into the, into the uh, shop and you lay down on the couch for a couple hours and you wake up and do it all over again. That's where, that's where I cut my teeth in restoration doing the do. Um, and that's where I really, my passion lies in that um, I want to give those guys as many tools as I can. And that's where the 24 hour tech came from. That's just a, that's a tool for the technician to do their job more efficiently and, and easier, make their life easier. That's what the 24 hour tech is all about. You know, ostensibly it's about the project manager getting the information he needs to write good estimates and invoices. But at the end of the day, it's about letting the, getting the water damage technician, the face of your business is a water damage technician giving them the tools to do their job better. Um, that's why I have a big passion for, for teaching people to do that better. Yeah. It's, it's certainly under, under serviced. I, you know, really and, and, and that's why I said at the, and that, that's why I said at the head of the podcast, I mean, when I think of restoration, I think of you, who else are you going to think of? I don't you know. know. I, there's not, you know, there, as far as, uh, you know, other personas in the industry, you know, there, there's not many. I mean, even the IA side, I mean, we're, we're in, you're in a much, I believe you're in a much larger niche than I am, but yeah, just nobody's taken, nobody's taken the stand on there. Well, and, and it's, it's a target, man. It's, yeah, you know, I didn't know if I knew at the time, would I do it again? I don't know because right. I put a big target on my back and it started in 2012 with that call to the state of Oregon and it hasn't mm -hmm. stopped Yeah, nationwide. You know, the, the VP of claims for nationwide insurance and somebody pretty high up at traveler's insurance got me fired from ATI. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you can, we can put this out there. I'm not afraid to say it. Call me on it, whoever is in charge there. But when you call my boss and say, we're not going to send you any more work because you hired Andy McCabe. You, you created an Andy McCabe problem for ATI and they had to fire me. I'm going to take that personally. I'm not going to forget that nationwide. I'm not going to, but to your point, Jeremy, I, I'm out there because no one else wants to be out there. First guy through the wall always gets bloody. And I've been bloody. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, so I want to jump back on claims delegates. So what, I guess, I guess here's my question. You go to a cocktail party and somebody asks, what do you do? What do you tell them? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I help people with insurance claims. Ah, uh, yeah. That's so, similar to what I do. I help people blank. And then whatever I can think of. 
yeah. You when know, people say people, I, I, it comes up. So, oh, I wrote a book. Oh, what's about water damage? Like, what do you mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> just, you went from enthusiastic, like, you know, wow, an author, you know, anything I've read? No. Afraid not. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So, Clay, all right. So, now, now you help people with their insurance claims. Is that what? What is claims delegates? Is that is that what that's about? Primarily, claims delegates is a, a an exactimate estimating farm. Okay, that's yeah. You know, I enable folks to handle lots of volume on the estimating and invoicing side without adding overhead, without adding body count for because, restorers on the restoring yes, side. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I like to, I, I bill myself as the alternative to hiring a full-time employee uh, okay. because yeah. we can write, you know, my math and I've, I've done it a few times over the years. I estimate that uh, a project manager, full-time on staff project manager with a car and insurance and, on, you know, blah, 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 blah. They cost about 9% of their revenue. Mm-hmm. So, if they handle a 1.5 million, which should be the, the, that's, ta- that should be table stakes for your average uh, project manager in the res- restoration world for yeah. all you guys, you know, you number geeks out there. If you're not handling 1.5 million as a PM, you're underperforming. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're not giving your PM enough opportunities to get 1.5 million, it yeah. doesn't make sense to have that person on staff because it costs you 9% of that 1.5. Right. And somebody like claims delegates can come in and do not the whole thing, right? We're not going to come in and manage projects on a daily basis. We'll do it on an emergency basis. Obviously we're doing that right now, but on a daily basis, we're not going to come handle your claims and, 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 and sell your jobs and, and do all the stuff, but we will estimate for you. And it's going to cost you less than 1% of the revenue. Right. It's a no brainer. 9%, right. 1%. That's my sale. That's it. Yeah. And that's all we do all day, every day. We are, we are damn good, right? I mean, you are damn good, Jeremy. You, you are good at what you do. You can spit out a good sheet real quick. And in this world, that's what it's about. Good sheet real quick. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have speed. You gotta, you gotta do uh, velocity. As my good friend, um, David Herring says is handle claims at velocity. David Herring. Yeah, yeah. I know David Herring. Yeah. I've ran into his estimates before in New Jersey. Yeah. I right loss. Yeah. I I I've I've seen it before. And uh I, I remember on one, oh, it was a crazy high estimate. But it was a small, it was a small, it was like a basement or something like that. And I saw the the public adjuster wrote gave me an estimate and it's had right loss on it. And I went mm-hmm. to the guy, it's like, this is David Herring, right? And he was like, I don't, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, never mind. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So all right. So the service you so claims delegates. So if I mean you're a, I'll tell you this. I've been for years contemplating the idea of just starting a restoration company. Mm. Um, you know, mm. with all the shit that I've seen. Yeah. But uh, so if if you're a person and you started a restoration company, I mean. Am I right in thinking the service that you provide is a good is a good service to have so that you can focus less of your time on the actual uh, development of the invoice, you know, all of that. So you can take that off your table 
because maybe at that point you're just not large enough, like you said, to mm. have a full-time person that just does that work. That's all they do when you're not at that level yet, mm -hmm. you know, having a service like yours is basically almost like just hiring a freelancer to do your work. Right. But you're an established business. It's very specialized freelancing. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, because at the end of the day, there's so much nuance to what we do. Right. It, it, uh, you can't, you know, I used, I was on what Elance for a little bit. Yes. You can find an Xactimate estimator on Elance. Yeah. I saw you on Upwork too, a long time ago. Oh, that's right. Upwork. Still on there. That's yeah, right. I saw you on there when I thought about setting myself up. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I think I went on there and it said Andy McCabe. And I don't know if it, uh, this was a while ago and things have changed, but I think it said like $0 that you've made on there or, or something <laughs> low. And I just, and I saw that and I was like, well, if he's not getting any fucking money, I'm out of here. <laughs> what am I going to do? It's, it's so hard. Uh, yeah. but back to, you know, back to why do you go on program work? Why do you take alacrity fee schedules? Because you don't have any other means to get right. that work. Right. So whatever it took. And I, I did maybe two claims on Upwork. And, uh, at the end of the day, it became the, the platform is not, uh, you need a insurance restoration claims focused platform to do something like that. Right. Uh, because it takes more than, you know, sending a couple graphics up to get a logo done. You've got to have so much documentation. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to preach on Matterport over and over again. That's why I hit Matterport so hard. You've got to have s such a high level of documentation of the claim at, of the structure as it sits that your average person going to Upwork to try to find an estimate is not going to have the wherewithal to get that data. They're right. not going to be sophisticated enough as a remote worker to get you what you need. And yeah. that's, that's the vast majority of my, my client onboarding and education and on ongoing teaching is teaching them how to get the data in a way that I can, that we can write their sheets, but it's garbage in garbage out. I mean, I've seen that a hundred times. And if you, if you don't have the right data, the sheet's never going to be right. The estimates right. are never going to be correct. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's tough, but you take the work where you can, man, you take it where you can. I shouldn't be going, I shouldn't be going to New Orleans right now because I'm, I'm going to be sacrificing my day to day here mm -hmm. to go take a maybe over there. Right. Like, let, you know, I don't know if you want to transition to cat work or nothing, right, or anything else right now. But that's we can do that. that. Yeah, that's a trade off. So right. when you decide, either as an IA or or restoration contractor or somebody like me, just doing freelance stuff, when you decide to go out of market to go chase this thing, you know, first off, you got to understand in your head what are you chasing? Am I chasing a a, a dream or is this a real thing? You know, like, you know, these texts I keep getting uh, from, I keep harping on Alacrity. It could be anybody, but Alacrity wants me to show up in New Jersey on Saturday. They're not going to give me any money to do that. Right. They're not going to tell me how many claims I'm going to get once I get there. Uh, they're not going to find a hotel for me. They're not going to pay for a rental car, blah, blah, blah. They're, I'm going to take on all this risk with a maybe that I'll get a ton of claims. Yeah. I would rather go down. I'd rather deploy 
with a contract in hand. And that's been my rule. I'm about to break it this week. I'm Jeremy, maybe you can talk me down. Maybe you can talk me down. <laughs> all right, let's all right. So what's going on? So, yeah. What, so we've it. got I've got some clients. Uh, I've got a really good client I've done a lot of work for in New Orleans, but I've got a guy on the ground. He's not where I now should I should I lay down? Should you know, are you gonna be the my psychiatrist? <laughs> I don't know if I could help you, but I could definitely give you some. (laughs) I've got nothing but opinions, man. So my guy on the ground has uh, does just doesn't have the skill set that I have. He doesn't have the experience. He can't provide the services that I could if I were there. Um, But he's got a Matterport camera. He's actually got a Theta. Um, He's got a FLIR. He can do an okay job. Um, So the the work we have currently is, is justify, justifying him being there. He lives there. Uh, he lives in Medier, Medier, Metairie, Metairie. Yeah. Outside. Um, yeah. And you know, so my overhead for him, he already lives there. You know, he, he didn't, if, if job stops today and he doesn't find a new one tomorrow, he's going to go on with his life. And right. I don't have no ongoing overhead where if I get myself down there, right. I'm thinking about driving. It's 31 hours, but I've got a hotel. Mm-hmm. I've got daily, you know, food or whatever else. I've got gas, a rental car if I decide to fly. Um, all those things. I mean, we're talking three, four hundred dollars a day. Maybe it can be cheaper than that. Yeah. But I don't have. I'm not. I'm not going down there to f- start work to fulfill a contract. I'm going down there to prospect. And my gut tells me I'm doing the wrong thing. I should right. prospect here. I should lock it in here. Uh, before I go, but a lot of people I'm talking to is you got to get here. You got to hear, you got, you know, cause you can't, yeah. you know, if you're not here, you, it's like you don't exist. And to a certain extent, that's right. Yeah. You know, someone might need my services, but if I'm not, I'm 30, 31 hours away, my, my services are, I'm dead to them until I get there. So that's, I'm balancing that. Cause if I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave tomorrow morning. I'm going to pack all this all this crap over here and, you know, throw it in my truck and I'll drive. Cause I, I just want, I mean, this is, I'm we're talking $200 or 200 pounds worth of gear here, you know, drones and Matterport cameras and FLIRs and all that and lights. And yeah, be <sighs> moving the entire operation there. What, what yeah. type of work would you be doing there though? Uh, and- inspections, documenting, um, in a lot, excuse me, a lot of estimate writing. Okay. Inspections and estimate writing for restoration companies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Houston was my trial run for this model I'm trying out. And and, and it works like this. You know, somebody goes in, you know, this was gonna this was me in Houston. Had a client and said, Hey, we've got we've got more work right after the freeze this year. We got more work than we know what to do with. We need help getting that volume into the funnel. And, and, you know, getting it in, into production. So I went with my Matterport camera. I'd show up on the job site or on, on the home, you know, the, all residential. There was a couple commercials in there. And I would scan it with my Matterport. I would take some scope notes. I would email the scope notes to my back office, to my desk person writing sheets. And I would upload the Matterport on my way to the next job. Okay. By the time that you know, Matterport processed in an hour, you know, two hours, so by the time I was almost done with the second job scanning, they were writing 
my folks were writing the estimate for the first job. And they, the, the high fidelity of the data coming out of Matterport is un, unreal. You know, we take that, we put it into a sketch and Xactimate. We, we take the scope notes that were written on site and we have the Matterport up as wherever, you know, we write it. Anyway, it's really good. The model works. Yeah. Um, but I'm expensive. Right. I can't afford to have me doing that. I need to get, have somebody else doing the Matterports. I'm, I'm, and that's what I ended up doing when I came back from Texas. Uh, had a couple more clients say, Hey, you know, are you going to be in San Antonio? No, I'm in Oregon. I'm not coming back. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, we need this done. So I was able to find Matterport guys who were just sitting on their hands because they work for rest. They work for real estate and real estate's doing nothing right now as far as Matterport or scanning because things are selling too fast. So you've got an army, you know, I don't know how much this applies to the IA world because you guys don't have a lot of margin, right? You don't have a lot of money to go spend on every single one of these claims. But I was able to hire, uh, get Matterport done by a third party professional who did it for a living for half of what I was charging. Easily half. Uh, Hotel in San Antonio, I would have charged $10,000 to scan that place. And the, the folks that went out there charged me 3,500 bucks. Wow. Okay. So that's where I see the industry going is, is further cutting up all these tasks that we do on every claim and farming them out to folks that are just, that's all they do. And they do it real cheap. They do it good and cheap, which two things you don't often hear in the same <laughs> sentence. Good and yeah, cheap yeah. don't necessarily go together, but you can't. I mean, I just had a, apartment building in in uh shoot mississippi had a had a hattiesburg Hattiesburg, ever heard of that one yeah yeah hattiesburg yep well um i had a client call me out of denver hey i've got this apartment yeah uh 12 unit apartment building that i need scanned can you get there and at the time he thought i was bringing someone from ohio so they were going to go right through hattiesburg to get it done i couldn't get it done but i found a matterport guy and you know, I'm not afraid to say it. So I'm charging 20 cents a foot commercial to okay. scan. Um, this guy did it for 10 and he did a okay. great job. I made 10 cents a foot. Right, right. That's the, that's the future of our industries is finding we're going to become middlemen. We're going to be, be just be, be directors. Right. And, and directing the claims and piecing them together. And it's going to be as long as we can develop a good system. And I think this applies on your side and my side. It's about the system. If you can mm-hmm. get a good system in place, uh, I hope to get, like I said earlier, 500 subcontractors across the country. With that army of subcontractors, there, there is no job we couldn't do and couldn't do quickly. You need that army. Yeah. Is there a, is there a way you can set up a system now for this New Orleans thing? I mean, you, so if you have somebody that's down there, I mean, is he at a point where he's being overwhelmed with work? Right. Well, what is his job? I guess first, is he doing? Is he writing up too, or is he just doing Matterports? No, just inspections. Just, just inspections, inspections. Running the Matterport, and then he takes that data, his scope notes, you know, notes or whatever. Then he takes that, and then where does that go? What does he do with that? It comes back to me. It comes, comes back, back to you. And then uh, two of those losses he inspected last week. Last night, I farm. I farmed it out. I, you know, put it in the system and. You know, I've got a, I've got a nice system. I think it's, it's cobbled together. It's a Franken system, but it works. Yeah. 
Um, so I just, I, you know, got up, make sure all the data was in place and clicked a button and it, you know, email goes out. Hey, you know, Bobby, this is your claim. Here's the data. Here's a Google drive, blah, blah, blah. Write it up. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that works. I just feel like I could probably go sell a whole lot more work if I was there. That's what it comes yeah. down to for me. I think there's, there's a lot of, I'm dealing with FOMO. FOMO is the enemy, right? You got to be careful with that FOMO. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been a victim of FOMO too many times. Because you know, I you know, we've got so I, I technically I have two guys.